Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. Today I'm joined by my friend Mike Chen. Mike and I have known each other for a few years now, and when you listen to our conversation, you'll notice how nice of a guy he is and that people can't help but be his friend. He has great perspective on the world, and I look forward to sharing this conversation with you. But what I look forward to more is you taking just five minutes out of your day today, just five minutes, to listen to someone you know in your life. I guarantee it'll change both of your worlds. Mike Chen, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you, Alex. Good to be here. I'm glad. Very surprising to be here, but very glad as well. Yeah, it was really random because what half an hour ago I was walking around with a with a pop filter in my hands, and you asked you asked what was it, and I invited you onto the show. Yes, yeah, it's a great pop filter. Pop, pop, pop. You hear nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. I just literally just unpackaged it. Perfect. Um, so, uh, how do we know each other? So. Dig into my old brain here. I believe we probably met when I first moved, when I first got transferred. So we're in Calgary, by the way, to set the scene. Maybe the viewer already know, but I was a missionary here for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I believe I was serving in the East Stake when I first met you. I could be wrong, but I probably met you between, ooh, let's see, February, no, April 2015 until August 2015. Hmm. Sometime between that time, and then I went to Medicine Hat, and then afterwards I came back from Medicine Hat, I came back on December of 2016. So I think 2016 we ran into each other a lot more. You have a way better memory than I do. Well, only because I know the transfer dates. Right, right. <laughs> well, what's your story? How, how, what do you think? I, I don't have a story of how we met. I just, I, oh, I remember oh. you, like I, I've always known Interesting. that I've known you and I knew that I met you while you were on your mission here, but I don't remember like a time we met. I remember, I remember you were like kind of buddies with my little brother. I feel like, like you guys got along really well. Yes. And, uh, but other than that, I feel like I knew, I knew Elder Chen and then, and then I remember being in a car with you once. Yes, I think we drove you or from to an an activity. Why I say I think the choir side, maybe something like that. I I went to the temple with your brother, mm. but I I still think I met you way before I met your brother. Um, you might have. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, to the viewers, all I can I I gotta say this is my honest opinion though. One thing that stood out to me about Alex from day one is that he's always incredibly well-dressed. Thank you. And he has a great posture and great manner. And so he's always impressed, impressed me on that front. front. I really appreciate so that. He's a great look. You can't see him right now, but he's a great looking guy. Wow. Maybe, maybe we should add a video component there to the go. podcast, eh? Yeah. Uh, and then they'd be able to see how good looking you are. Oh, you're too kind. I am, aren't I? <laughs> uh, actually, I really like your shirt, Nuke Mars. Oh gosh, here we go. Okay, do you want to? Because we ha we have other things to talk about it. But if you want to talk about your shirt, okay. So people that my friends close to me know that I am passionate about 
the future of humanity. And those of you may have heard of people, you, the people, viewers may have heard a person called Elon Musk, and he is trying to uh, make a backup plan for human by uh, starting a colony and uh, terraforming Mars. So one of the joke is, well, okay, so Mars is actually quite cold. Mars has very low air pressure, and the temperature ranges from, you know, plus 15 Celsius to minus 140 Celsius, I believe. And so, but all that could be fixed by atmosphere. And so Mars has, once since 2012, the Curiosity rover landed on Mars, they discovered Mars is full of water. In fact, I believe you can get like 20 gallons off of, uh, if you fill a standard fridge size with Martian soil, you'll get like 20 gallons of water out of it. Really? Something like that. Yeah, hmm. 20 gallons or liters, I'm not sure. But anyway, the, the joke is that, on Earth, we're so good at making greenhouse gases, we should just nuke Mars. Because if you, Mars has a, you know, solid dry ice north and southern pole, and there's a lot of water ice and water in the soil too. So if you just, I think someone did the calculation, if you do 40 nukes all over the surface of Mars, you can probably warm it up to about one to five degrees Celsius, and it'll give enough air pressure that you might even not need a spacesuit. You probably need a space to provide you oxygen, but at least you can bring the temperature to much warmer uh, temperatures for a future space explorer to uh, survive on. So that's why I have a shirt called Nuke Mars, because hmm. we're so good at climate changing the Earth, we might as well just nuke the Mars and do it. Right, do some climate change change on Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I think I I really like the idea of terraforming Mars or really any planet. I just think it'd be cool. I know, it'd be super right? cool. Yeah, if only we can take care of our, our, this planet a little bit better, but yeah, yeah. one step at a time. One step at a time, that's right. So um, so we met while you were on your mission, and that was about four-ish years ago. Yeah. Um, and then one, one thing that I remember about you um, was you didn't go home after your mission. And, that's correct. And I want, I want to get into that uh, later, but first let's jump all the way back. To where are you from? Okay. Okay, so I guess I was, not I guess, so I was born in China in 1992, back before, you know, China was still in the dark ages somewhat. You know, we didn't have internet, at least publicly, hmm. until 2002 and 2003. So I grew up in China until fifth grade, and that's when my parents immigrated to Canada. So I just moved to Toronto first, and... Uh, one thing funny about that is so okay so we went to we went from China to Toronto yeah and my parents were like hey this boy's gonna learn English it's gonna be great yeah and then we moved into Scarborough Ontario and if people who don't know what Scarborough is there's a lot of Asians so here's an example the first school the first day of class in grade six in Canada there's fifty eight kids in the in the classroom fifty six are Chinese are you serious <laughs> yeah I'm not like it's insane. So, so the first language I had to pick up in Canada was Cantonese. Yeah. <laughs> so I could communicate with other kids. That's awesome. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, okay, so uh, back in China, though, did your yeah. family speak Mandarin then? Oh, yeah. I, actually, yeah. We're from Sichuan. So okay. we actually see Sichuanese. Okay. Rick and Morty has a f famous thing for Sichuan sauce. Right. McDonald. That's where we're from. We're also famous for Panda and a bunch of earthquakes recently. So, yeah. So we spoke... Mandarin officially in school, right? But at home we spoke Sichuanese. It's a very fast version of Mandarin. 
So you might can hear like I I mumble quite a bit in English because of how fast Sichuanese is. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, would you be willing to give like a sample? Yeah. For example. Okay. So let me think a good word. Okay. So for example, I can be like Alex. Where are you going today? In Chinese. Uh, so this will be Mandarin. I'd be like Alex. Nijinchunani. So that's Mandarin, very enunciated tones. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is in Sichuanese. Alex, the gentler. Oh, so it's way quicker. Yeah. Interesting. Way quicker. And they cut off a bunch of words. Right. And the fact and they use the tone way more. Yeah. So the fact I can mumble to my dad was like, Dad, the and by the tone of all those words slang together, he can understand. I'm asking, where are you going today? Interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. Okay, so you moved to to Toronto or mm-hmm. and Scarborough, and and then you end up not really picking up English that quickly because everybody else in the class is Chinese. Yeah. Um, and was that like? Was that a good experience for you, or like, what do you what do you think of that? Um, I think that was good for a little bit. Um, so I was at that school, Anson Taylor, for about uh, four months. Um, so the good thing is I still had to learn another language, right? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to like just go free about speaking Mandarin and be cool with it. So I still felt the humbleness of a new immigrant, right? So, and learning meant, and that was actually the only time in my life I got to learn Cantonese. And and after four months of that school, we actually moved somewhere else oh, okay. in Scarborough. So I didn't get to learn Cantonese. But I will say, uh, I think it's good for kids, you know, to come to Canada and to have someone who speak remotely the same language as them. Right. Perhaps not the same. You know, if you speak the same, then you'll never progress. Right. But if you speak a similar language... Well, if they don't know a little bit English, then they can work on that. Because I believe learning makes you humble. Right. And when you're humble, you become actually a better learner and better person in general because you realize you're not perfect and there's so much you need to learn and grow. And you open yourself up to those opportunities to learn and grow. Okay. So I think it was really beneficial that the fact that I had to learn Cantonese and yeah. then English. So, so during that learning experience... Um, what kind of things did you do to, to try and open yourself up to learning as a kid? Oh, try to, I guess it's just the fact you're trying to survive in like classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact you're trying to survive in recess, like that was really hard. Um, so that, I guess it wasn't what I did try. It was just, I had to, cause I don't think I was, I'm not, I'm not the, the boy that could just stay quiet mm-hmm. and just talk to no one. So I guess just because my personality, I was forced to just open up a little bit. But, I mean, it was worth it. It's very hard, but you get you kind of get to master one word at a time, right? Like right. To, today, I will learn, like, the word recess. Right. So I will be, like, re- using the word recess as much as I can in my yeah. broken English. And the next week will be another word. So Interesting. And yeah. so do you, do you have any siblings that also moved here with you? No, thanks to the Communist Party of China, I'm only a... Youngest of one. You're the youngest of one and the oldest of one. Yeah. Hey, look at you go. Yeah. So what was that experience like then being an only child? You know what? I don't think I really know that answer until very recently as an adult. Um, because when you're a single kid, the way your parents treat you, your parents is only is like your only social interaction, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if your parents pepper you, which my parents wasn't like fully just like, you know, oh, whatever, sweet, you need, we'll get you. They weren't quite like that. But basically, I seen a friends that were like that and they been pretty much are on it. It was very hard for them to learn how to deal with other people. Hmm. And as adults now, my parents wasn't actually really around that much because they both worked. Well, my dad became a truck driver and my mom worked night shift. Okay. So I didn't really get to socialize them with them much, actually. But, uh, for example, on the mission, and here now in Calgary on my own, living with roommates, I began to learn what it's like to have a sibling because then you, you start to have to think about other people's feelings. You can't just, you know, hey, let's go outside, and I can't force you because, you know, because if I'm a single kid, if I want to go outside, I just do it, right? Right. But now learning what's it like to have roommates and potentially if I had a sibling, I will learn... I think I would have learned how to respect others and think about others' feeling at a much, much younger age. Right. And to, to just learn how to give each other their own space as well. Interesting. So that's kind of the main difference I see of being raised a single kid versus being raised with a sibling. Is that right. you get to... Well, a single kid, you get to have... A, you're very autonomous. You're okay with being alone. But then we we don't miss that. We kind of miss that social development if our family was not in the right environment to, to provide that education right uh so so i guess then when when you were growing up and being an only child right Mm -hmm. and kind of living your own life and doing your own thing was there a moment where where you feel like you became aware uh that that you need to do needed to be understanding of somebody else's feelings um I think I was always aware I shouldn't be like a jerk to others, mm-hmm. but I didn't really consider full on about what other people feel until on my mission, because on the mission you really you go to people's houses and these people's they could be struggling or they could be perfectly normal, but most of the houses we go in there they're they're looking for something better, so that's where I first learned about like, hey, try to be in their shoes like a lot like. The entire time we're with someone at their house, we're just imagining what's it like to be in their shoes, hmm. what they must be going through. So that's only when I first learned about it. Yeah. And once I once once I realized about that, that kind of made me to want to focus on each other more and more after, right. on the people far more afterwards in my life. So what what did you do to to take that focus away from yourself and look outside at others? What I do yeah. I think the biggest thing is really listen mm-hmm. and like really listen. Listen without trying to think of response. Um, listen, just try to s- feel them first before you speak. Hmm. I would say that's a, the best thing I've, well, that's the, I guess that's the number one things I try to do when I try to understand other people's feeling. Hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, I mean, you and I, I feel like we've never had a, like a sit down chat or conversation mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely not because I don't see you as somebody that I could do that with right I think mm-hmm. you strike everyone around you as somebody that oh I can talk to this guy you know like you, you're very friendly I mean uh, maybe now's a good time to bring up that you never went home from your mission oh, like gosh. you you stuck around and <laughs> I mean I think it's been fun and so what like what made you stay in southern Alberta? Actually, the answer is quite boring. It's more of a legality issue with how um, 
So I'm a Canadian citizen. Mm-hmm. Promise, I'm not illegal. I just got off the boat in Vancouver or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of, uh, if I understand correctly, if you, okay, so my family, like I said, we went to Toronto. I think I went to BC for school and I was on my own, right? So when I was in BC, I was on the Ontario health care plan for about two years because I'm a student in BC. Right. But then when I move again on my own to Alberta for the mission, that was not possible. So when I be- went to Alberta on my mission, I had to get a proper Alberta health care card, Alberta driver's license. I had to do two years of income tax in Alberta as well. Really? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. So on my mission, I have because I, I worked the year before, and I received another like few checks afterwards on my mission. So I had to file income tax. So according to Canadian government and CRA, and actually today, I just did this today, I had to do a background check. Um, according to government Canada, for two years, I was living at 7044 Faro, Southeast Calgary, Alberta. But that's the mission home. Right. So because of that, it was much harder for me to leave and leave. Because and, I can't go back to Kelowna, where I came right. from, because I have nothing there. I kind of don't want to go back to uh, Toronto, and plus it's far more expensive to live there. And so since on the mission, I met so many good people, and I understand kind of the housing prices, it was a lot easier for me to uh, stay in Alberta. And in fact, one of the biggest reasons, I need, I need to drop that, I, need, I should drop their name. It was uh, the Kabatoffs. They're a great family, and they took me in like their own. Really? They really did. Yeah. So they're the one who enabled me to uh, stay in Alberta, and uh, I'm eternally grateful. And I've learned so much from them, and I love them so much. That's I'm awesome. I'm too much these days, but... It's because of people I met now. Right. And as well, that's why I stayed. That's awesome. I mean, we like having you. Oh, thank you. Because you've, you've been done your mission for two years, at yeah, least. Three years now. Three years, yeah. Just over three years. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been here for a while. And now, are you studying at the University of Calgary? No, I'm not, yeah. So that's, that's one of the things. So right now, so I guess I'll give a quick preview of what happened after the mission. Right. After the mission, I worked in Alberta briefly. Went to Nauvoo for a little bit after with that, and I came back and I started working in Alberta full time since uh, 2017. Okay. The uh, fall 2017. So I've been working since then, and because my job is mostly IT and programming, I'm able to kind of work remotely. So once I was I was with a company in Red Deer for about two and a half three years, and once I kind of automated myself out of job there, so once I felt like I mean, you know, I paid off my debt to this employer and the friend, and I decided to move to Calgary. So right here, I'm also I'm keep on working for the same company, but remotely in a, in a manner. I'm working on a bunch of side gigs, and I'm taking uh, technical certifications for IT comp- programmers. For anyone's interested, I'm doing the CompTIA A plus, Net plus, and Security plus. But hmm. so that's what I'm I'm mostly just working part time, and then. Mostly uh, studying for these technical certifications. That's about it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so, why? Uh, what What got you interested in uh, doing these technical certifications? Okay. So these technical certification has well. So it wasn't really. It, so yeah, it kind of became a necessity because um, IT for fixing computers for a very long time. There's no. Um, standard industry way you know a lot of people can go to school for computer science 
mm-hmm. absolutely. But if their computer breaks down, they wouldn't know how to fix it, right? So IT became like a little small niche program that a bunch of colleges started offering. Hmm. But then they realized it's such a weird standard that, and, and IT is so broad, right? You can have peop, people that are just helping you with when your printer or your office not working. And the same IT, you know, under the job title could extend all the way up to people who are configuring network at a bank and security. Right. Right. These were all be under the big category of IT. So back in, I think, mid-2010s, and so, you know, I think five, five or six years ago, CompTIA is an industry, is an association that represents a bunch of computer companies. They release this sort of bunch of certifications so that you can take the exam to show that you're competent. So it's more of a necessity, but I think it's a good thing because, you know, because for many years, computer and, and IT people, they got their job not by going to school because, you know, Facebook started, you know, there wasn't really a computer science degree. That wasn't a big thing, right? People just learn it and got it done. Right. So IT is going kind of going through that now, or at least it recently has gone through that, okay. where people doesn't really need a, doesn't need a university degree, but they still want to sh- prove that, hey, I, you can actually do this. Right. So that's why the certificate is here, and that's why I'm taking it. Just to have something on my resume to show that, like, hey, actually, actually, I know what I'm talking about. Right. In addition to my work experiences, here's my test result. Some people may may think that the test is not worth too much, but I think it's a good base point to start off on evaluating potential candidate. Right. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think that's interesting. Um, I'd never thought about that. I'm not an IT kind of guy, so I'd never thought about the the need for that standardization in that industry. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there wasn't. Um, and so what what fascinates you about IT? Ah, okay. Um, <clears throat> what fascinated me about computers is that I wasn't a smart kid. I want to get, all sh- get that out in the air. In grade 10 math, I got 15%. Really? Like, I was stupid, according to, like, traditional education system and that yeah it was hard for me so computer was just something that my dad gave me a really old windows 98 laptop i think it might have windows 2002 i had it by the time i had it i like i tried to study for homework but i couldn't like it was really hard for me and my there was that computer so old that i couldn't play any game which is good because i don't think i should have been playing games but instead i just took that laptop and i just like clicked every single thing yeah, I went to every single detail settings. I went to, I did, I think I bricked it a few times, you know, delete the wrong stuff, disable the wrong registry, had to reformat. But as a kid, that was just my hobby, you know, just like right. it's always like your, if your dad had a car in your garage and you just, you know, mess with it for growing up, you get, you eventually get to learn all aspects of it, right? Right. So that's how I got really got my basic knowledge of computers and how to fix them, and then. As when what really kicked my interest, this is kind of nerdy, but have you heard of the game RuneScape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So viewer doesn't know it. It's a really nerdy, well, it, it used to be huge, uh, free online playing game. So once internet become big and I got internet in my house, so I started playing that game. But it was, as most kids, I eventually got really bored of it. Mm-hmm. So I learned up, I looked up online, like, hey, how can you uh, click magic automatically? So I went to, I found this website where 
they teach you how to do this scripting language called Pascal, which is, and then now they move to Delphi. They teach the little kids, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, on how to write a program. So you can, you type this to move the mouse, and you type this to click. So we'll be very rudimentary. We'll just click the mouse, click on the spell, and click on the monster, assuming you trap the monster in the same spot. But that taught me how to program, how to detect color using computer programming, and movements, how to program a computer to navigate your character from one place of the map to the other, eventually all the way up to how to read what other players are messaging you, you know, because people don't like bots, right? They think we're cheating, and we are, and they rightly have, they're right. rightful to hate us. But learning how to bot was really what fascinated me because, like I said, my grades wasn't good, but I knew that this computer thing can really open up, open up work field because you think about how many people out there just doing minus data, data entry where I can bring any of these 14, 16-year-old kids right now from these form and they can automate that thing within like a day. Right. You know, no more mindless copying field or detecting a, you know, like your invoice number off a accounting bill and try to read it and enter carefully onto accounting program, you know. A technology is good enough that kids can do this. Right. So that's what really fascinated me is that because I believe that computer can help humans, you know, to stop us from doing the mundane tasks instead of allow us to some more artistic stuff that only humans can do, such as music, right. podcasts photography right right so that's why i really love it and computer is that the fact that enable it's a tool for allows human to live a better life huh so that's a weird tangent but yeah so okay here's kind of a kind of a, a question like jumping off of that allowing humans to live better lives yes i want to and the i don't know i want to hear your thoughts on artificial intelligence then now which aspect? Like the ones in iRobot where they're fully self, somewhat self-aware and able to be our slaves? Or simple ones such as Google Search and Tinder? I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's the, that's the thing is that they have all of these things. Okay, okay. Imagine, imagine that there is... How about I talk about the small one first? Yeah, okay. okay. T- tell me about the small one. Okay, so people don't realize it, but for example, Google... There's no engineer at Google that could tell us how your search result got to you mm-hmm. since 2008 mm-hmm. or 2006, right? So pretty much a machine based on all the hundreds of thousands, millions of query, people call it, so the algorithm could tell from what other people are searching, this is what most likely you're looking for. So that is one of the simple forms of AI that can allow us. Tinder is a great example of that. Tinder, based on user profile, writes this much in the description, based on their swiping patterns, they can actually quite easily give everyone their perfect match. Hmm. They don't, by the way, so that they want to be the pay gold. And disclaimer, I never pay for gold. I just create bot account to see the data analysis on Tinder. <laughs> um, so I think simple AI is great. Spotify, YouTube algorithm, people are, people are, YouTube algorithm, I think it's something that people see a lot, is that one of the AIs that people give a lot of interaction with, you know, they will get, they'll watch the video on cats, and the next thing you know, boom, on the suggestion, but like how to take care of kitty, uh, kitten tips 101, or a fun activity to do with your cat, right. you know, right? So right. that's like a huge, so those are the AIs that can help us, 
And I think those are great. Don't get me wrong. Right. They do steal our data, and you know, they, 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 you know, Google and Facebook do sell our data to make those AI more effective. But I think they're generally good. As for the really advanced, you know, world-ending AI, you know, like the game War, like the movie War Games or iRobot or Matrix. Right. I mean, I think one day humans, human would unknown could unknowingly program something that can self-learn you know there's there's a joke is uh there's a great example of um whatchamacallit so okay morgan stanley creates a morgan stanley investment firm creates an ai for uh making money because right now there's a lot of algorithm trading investment ai that can already read the newspapers and decipher what's real what's legit what's more what's most likely driving market change but Imagine if an AI that can also break security and then change news topic. So let's say Morgan Stanley has AI. The new engineers came out and be like, okay, let's loose on the internet. So this this AI trying to make Morgan Stanley more money, right? So it's a, let's say it somehow breaks the security of CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC, start releasing articles that could get American public riled up again, let's say ISIS, for example, right? And then people will fear going to war, and now the stocks for the, all these military contractor companies will go up, like Rocketdyne, you know, Boeing, Lockheed Martin. Right. So those AIs, they are made for a different purpose, but unknowingly to get to that purpose of making the money, they cause like World War, for example. Hmm. Those are stuff that could p potentially happen in the future. Right. You know, I could, you could see how each step is feasible. Yeah. But we're really hoping that, you know, that lawmakers can one day really, you know, crack down, make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen, have more oversight in terms of what programmers does in artificial intelligence research. And I think programmers also, in general, have the good ethics enough to not do that. Mm -hmm. That's what we hope. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, you talk about how how these things, how technology helps us live better lives and do human things, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, right? Um, and then, yeah, hopefully hopefully that AI, you know, keeps allowing us to do that. Um, but kind of moving away from IT, yeah. what, uh, what other hobbies do you have? Oh, I like that. So I think I shared with you just very earlier, I love mm -hmm. astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. I you know I'm, I didn't go to school for physics, you know, or uh, astrophysics, but I think it was on a mission actually here in Alberta that I looked up in the sky in some kind of farm field at night, and I just saw the like the Milky Way core for the first time with my naked eye. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So that's I and so astronomy and photography and now astrophotography is one of my biggest hobbits, hobbies. And basically, it's very simple. Just take a take your DSRs at home, you know, you can take a wide angle lens to start. You point it at a dark piece of sky and then just take some, you know, long exposure. You know, maybe less between 10 to 15 seconds, crank up, crank up the ISO, and then you will be able to have, skip pictures of hundreds and thousands of stars with any DSR you have at home and even some smartphones. Hmm. So astronomy and be able to look up and ponder it's the ponder part that really gets me, you know, because you look at you thinking, oh, my gosh, what's the story of this star? Mm. Has it had an Earth? Has it had a civilization? Have that World War? 
you know, or look at these two nebula, this nebula, you know, what happened to people when they exploded, you know, with a civilization nearby, you know, what kind of history have they had? Right. So that's kind of like my, uh, one of my biggest side hobbies. That's really cool. Um, I mean, I mentioned to you when we were talking about it before that I, I like photography and, um, and love space. I mean, it's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and we're planning to, to go out. You're going to show me how, how you do all of this. That's right. Um, but I think it's really cool that you really humanize it in that way. And that you, you think like, look at that star, like, what about the people? Like, are there people living there, you know? Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting, I don't have a question. I just think it's cool that, that, that you think that and think about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to be out in the summer's night and just look at the Cinto Milky Way galaxy. Cause you can look at this thing for hours. Mm -hmm. Cause you can, and the, and because you're there for that long, you can actually see the tilt of, I guess it was a spin of our planet relative to the Milky Way galaxy. But in our view, it looks like the whole Milky Way galaxy is rotating in front of you. Right. And with in front of your eyes, you can see dust clouds. You know, these are huge, uh, you know, 100,000 light years long clouds of dust. And these dust clouds are what create solar systems. And behind the dust cloud, you see splotches of red, nebulas, yellow, green, all kinds of color. And then you look to the middle where the massive giant black hole that is resides in the Milky Way galaxy. It just, your mind just can wander. Like, you know, we're so tiny compared to it, but yet we have so much potential. Hmm. And then you can, you can begin to evaluate who you really are, what you live for, why you're here. You know, it's those moments that makes me just looking at the whole universe just makes mm. you think about like, what's my purpose here, and what's my goal for the future. So I will love. I think it'll be an honor f for me to take you out there one, this summer to see it. Yeah. And for you, you guys and viewers at home too, go out, look up in the sky, look up in the night sky, see for yourself the ma the mag the beauty that is our universe. Yeah. That's awesome. It is, it is gorgeous. So, uh, with it, with it casting, you know, these questions at you, um, of what is your purpose and why are you here and what goals do you have and stuff? What do you feel like is your individual purpose in this world? Wow. Geez. You're really going deep there. huh? Yeah. Well, I think, I, th I personally think, I don't think I'm like a very important person and I don't think anyone on, on this planet, you know, other than maybe Jesus, you know, should really think that. But uh, I think, I th at least personally for me, that I don't think I share that with a lot of people, is that I find there are two things that really help me in life. Mm -hmm. One is friendship and the other is education. And so for me, I, if I could be a good educator one day, uh, may not necessarily be a teacher, but I love to one day just make just cool YouTube videos or just documentary on various scientific subjects. Because as a education 
and good teachers in high school is really what made me turn my life around because you know like one like I said one thing high school with my grades being so bad I don't think I could do anything maybe I work maybe besides working at McDonald's for the rest of my life hmm. but I said but I had some great teachers in person and also online like Khan Academy that website helped me so much that I stayed up until 2 a.m. most of my grade 11 years just like watching all those math tutorials and on science so I would love to be able to just maybe tr contribute back by one day, make some educational content. And then secondly, it's just, like I said, friends. I would love to just be a better friend to anyone. I'm not from far from perfect, and I'm often selfish. But I think that will be a goal of mine to discover that, that everyone has something beautiful about them. Everybody, even the worst criminal. You know, the, part of them was always was a kid. Part of them will, will have that love for someone. So I think being as a friend, one of your goals as a friend is to discover what makes someone beautiful inside. What's the greatest thing about someone? So I guess that's, that'll be my goal, is to be a friend to better friend, be a true friend to as much as people as I can. And then if I can one day, start a little YouTube channel and educate the world. That'd be cool. That, I'd watch. I'd watch. Uh, and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, it's apparent that that you like have this perspective and that you uh, that you show that love to people. I mean, when we sat down, you complimented me, you know, and when I mean, <laughs> when you look handsome, <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> and and you know, like you just exude this this personality of kindness and and uh, and welcoming, right? And so, how did that develop? Like, were you always this way, or was there something that, that like made you realize that you needed to be kind to people? Well, I guess I thought I always thought I was a kind person, you know, before for my life. But I didn't know what kindness was until, and this might sound. And I'm just going to say it, you know, I didn't realize what kindness was until I started meeting with the missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm really trying not to, like, trying to be, like, advertising. I'm not. Um, it's because Chinese family, no, I'm not sure I'm not going there. But throughout my, my life, for me, nice was just being, to me, nice is just not swearing or being angry at somebody. You're, then you're being nice. Maybe if you say thank you, you say welcome. You're a nice person to me. That was always what they meant. But then when I first met, when I went to the church for the first time in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, I met these people who were just so friendly. You know, they I felt love from them. I felt that they cared about me. They asked about, oh, where am I from? What do I do? And they genuinely cared about me. You know, and it was at a time that I had not, I want nothing to do with religion, and I've Frankly, I told them up front, like, hey, I appreciate you being nice to me, but I'm not trying to join a church or nothing, right? And these people just still, just, they took me and they never pushed on me. And they just loved me and they cared about me. And they became some of my greatest friends. Hmm. And it's from that moment on, on I, I thought, you know, hey, I want to be more like these guys. So that was the path that I started learning what's it mean to be a nice person. It's from example of others who are loving and kind. So I guess I'm still learning, and I always try to you know, I'll, 
Alex, for example, is a very, very patient person. He's very kind. And my life, uh, you know, if, if I meet more of these people that are exemplary human beings, I just don't learn from them. So I don't I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but I, I guess it's a lifelong goal. We're just learning the best from others. I appreciate that, and I think that's probably one of the greatest things anybody can learn is that, you know, I mean, that's the whole reason I do this podcast is so that I can try and learn from other people and hear their life stories and that's awesome and practice that. Yeah, and, um, and so I think it's great that you've found all these different examples of people in your life um, that have shown kindness and that have shown you what it means to be a nice person. I like your definition of a nice person, you know, that it's not just about the words you use and it's not just about uh, saying please and thank you. It's about so much more than that. Absolutely. Um, and so I guess going forward in, in your life, we talked about how, how you'd like to educate people and how you'd like to help people. Uh, how do you see, I guess, how do you see yourself at, at the end of your life at, you know, your hopefully medical technology is advanced enough. Oh, gosh. Hopefully, may, maybe, maybe you and I will be living on Mars. Yes. Right? Ah, that's my God. Die on Mars. Born on Earth. Die on Mars. And, and so, you know, you're, you're 150 years old. You're dying of old age on Mars. You're like, you're one of the original people who like lived on Mars. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this big thing. What do you, what do you look at? Uh, looking back into the past of your life, what are you, what are you most proud of, and what do you want to see when you take that look back? So, I thought about that quite a bit, because, like I said, I thought about Dia Mars for a very long time. Like really, over half a decade, I thought about like Dia Mars. That's like how it'll go. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what I thought, but part of that is that because I thought about like. Like, you know that Futurama episode where Philip J. Fry found his, like, nephew who was the first person to go to Mars, and he had a plaque? It's me being selfish. I was like, oh, what would my plaque say? You know, mm-hmm. first engineer to, I don't know, produce clean water from phosphate water on Mars. But the more I thought about that, I realized it's, you know, the biggest thing we can do, at least for me, is the little things we can do. It's a little thing we do throughout our life. Because don't get me wrong, there are some people that are incredible on this planet. Like, I don't know, Gandhi, uh, Elon Musk, sorry. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like him, but Elon Musk, for example. people that, or, or other people that have great vision, Steve Irwin, Bob Ross, Steve Rogers. You know, many of these people, their name will go down in history, and rightfully so. Yeah. But I believe what means successful for me is that if we can just be kind to people when their needs, and then that person, perhaps one day, once they're stronger, they will realize what me and other kind person have done for them. They will want to spread that kindness around because kindness, kind, kindness is the best virus that we can spread in this human in society. You know, because 
it takes just a little from all of us, but it can make so much difference. Hmm. And then, you know, let's say you and Alex and I, right? We go out there and we go find someone who's down and we just love that person to death. We become their best friend. And now the, maybe that takes about, well, let's say semester, right? And then next semester we go to another program or we go to another university. That person will go on and be kind to others, will help others when they're down. And it's like this keep on, you know, giving forward, you know, trend that will be passed on from person to person. They will never know who started it, you know. I can't tell you who are the first kindest person in that that has been that example for me. You know, I don't know their names, but I know their efforts. Their efforts made me better and their examples made me better. So if I can do that as much as I can, just be a good person to others. You know, hey, maybe if one day, one day if I discover like, you know, Nobel Prize winning, you know, invention, hey, that'd be great. But, you know, if, if I can just do the little things that can help make one person's life slightly better, and eventually that person will go make someone else's life slightly better. Hmm. And even, even if I die, no one knows me, I, I will consider that's a life wealth, well worth living. That's awesome. Um, and I mean, and I mean that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty clear to me that you have a lot of perspective. I mean, you talked about, you know, thinking about the people on like these other worlds, right? Whose whose lives, you know, really never interact with you at all, right? Uh, but but considering that and like thinking of people so far away, um, and and stuff, and I just I just think that's fantastic. So. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Thank today. you. No, this is a great. Thank you to get to know you more. You're a great person. You're a great host. Thanks. And also, all of you guys out there, you have ability to do something great. So keep on being kind and loving for each other. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, but to the people around you. To take that five minutes today to sit and listen, to tune your ears to someone else's life. Get to know them a little bit better. Spend some time appreciating just the normal, everyday people in your life. I guarantee it will change both of you for the better. <laughs>